0: So welcome to another edition of the NCBI podcast. I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications with NCBI. Um, And today I'm chatting with Maeve Hennessy, who lives in Limerick, um, and she's just finished up uh, participating in the the National Sharing Day, which is an an initiative run by the the HSE. So you're very welcome, Maeve, and thank you very much for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, June. It's a pleasure to be here. Good, good, good. So, um, would you mind telling us a little bit of how you got involved in the uh, National Sharing Day and what exactly it was about? Okay,
1: well, um, the I was speaking at webinar two for the National Sharing Day, which was today, as you mentioned, and um, basically I got involved because I was uh, made aware of the submission process by the NCBI's advocacy campaign. So I. Pr- just I put in my submission and I was lucky enough to be shortlisted and then picked so uh, and the topic that I, I spoke on um, initially the submission was about the the value that disabled people add to their community and how we're valued uh, so then it kind of evolved into uh, a talk on dispelling
0: the one-dimensional view of people with disabilities and, that and- is- Tell us just a little bit about the um, the, the National Sharing Day in, in general. Am I correct in thinking that this was a an online um, conference, essentially that's been spanning over a couple of weeks, um, in lieu of the fact that this year there wasn't going to be able to be a one day that the HSE was going to um, have a its usual national conference.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, the National Sharing Day, as you mentioned, was online this year and. Be honest, I don't have an awful lot of information about the national sharing day because this is my first year kind of being involved with it in any capacity um, it's um, it's it's mainly just um, a platform for people with disabilities to to kind of have their say and and be able to interact with policymakers and, and different um, organizations to just give your view and it's it's been a my experience this year has been been very good. and um, you know I, I think they they run it they've run it every year now, and they were saying that actually online seemed to work quite well because it meant that a lot of people, perhaps with disabilities or or even without, were
0: able to attend and and take part um, more than usual, which is true because when I logged into it myself, um they were highlighting that there wouldn't have been a room in a hotel big enough to accommodate the amount of people that were actually supporting it online. So um, there is a a benefit to COVID in that respect if it is bringing people together with more ease. Um, And I suppose, Maeve, in terms of your um, own experience, you're um, based in Limerick and you avail of NCBI services. Um, So what level of vision do you have?
1: Um I always find that question a tricky one to answer and I think a lot of people who are visually impaired do um I have um I have stargardt's disease so it means that my central vision is poor I think technically I have my vision is 6 over 60 which from my understanding means that what you might see at 60 meters I would see at 6 Okay and okay. then my peripheral is better so I tend to um can often be seen to be looking at people a bit sideways, you know. But that's
0: just the clearest way to see them. Yeah, exactly. That's just uh, how how it works for you. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what your input into the National Sharing Day was. You highlighted there it was to to dispel the the one dimensional view that people have. So what has been your experience?
1: Yeah. So um, to dispel that view, I just give a kind of a couple of examples, and I suppose I could I could run those through here. Um, I um I've I've been a scout basically my whole life and um I've continued on as a leader and I was just given an example there of how um there's like an added value I think to in some ways you know uh to having a disabled scout leader because you know it's not obvious people with my condition will know that like it's not obvious when that that you are disabled when somebody meets you yes and they um so they get they get used to relying on me to like organise activities and camps as well as other leaders, of course, you know. And then they they learn that I how limited my vision is, you know. Oftentimes when I run into a tree, quite literally, <laughs> you know. So they naturally they're kind of surprised and have lots of questions. And I think that that um, that really helps them to to understand, you know, that people who are visually impaired. Are, are disabled in any way are not that different at all and um yeah that's that was kind of one of the one of the examples that I had given in the talk and uh it very much focused on the importance of um integration and uh and acceptance and understanding you know because these are things that we hear focused on in the media a lot yes and uh kind of I suppose when you meet somebody who is a hidden disability in, in some respects, it, it can, um, when it's disclosed to you then, it can kind of break those stereotypes of of how, how
0: disabled or,
1: or visually impaired or blind people are seen.
0: Yes, exactly. I suppose you're essentially, by doing everything that you're doing, be it through scouting or work or whatever, you're essentially demonstrating what you can do. Um, and then you're challenging people's perceptions and judgments when you do, do disclose what the um, disability is that you have.
1: Yeah and, and I find I always get, I usually get a very warm reception to it Um, you know they can, there can be a sense of disbelief because they've they've gotten to know you and work with you over a few years you know and then they you know they might ask you to move their car and I'll be like you really don't want me to move your car <laughs> <laughs> you know and after I've explained why they, they you know they they come around and understand that it's really not a good idea. Yes exactly. And you know, I, I the other example then I gave, and it's it's kind of something that's that's mirrored throughout. It, is um, I'm involved with a club called uh, called the Gathering in Limerick, okay. and uh, we run um, a gaming convention called Conclave in Thoman Park, and it's um, it's it's a large enough event. We 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 run three events there actually throughout the year, and it can it can be f- from about 150 to up to 300 people. We've had at times. You know, and, and they, these participants, they, you know, they're unaware um, of my impairment, but I'm often wearing sunglasses when they're, you know, coming in to register because it's a very bright room. There's white floors and white walls and right. <laughs> it's it, it can be, there can be a lot of glare. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And uh, one of the stories I mentioned was that uh, a few years back, I was asked by the staff at the home in Park and the participants at the event, you know, if there was ever a year I didn't go out drinking the night before, and because uh, they thought that's why I was wearing the sunglasses all the time, so yeah. they they got a good laugh out of it when I um when I explained that it was in fact actually because I was uh, I couldn't see at all in there the snow blindness kind of effect that the white yeah. walls and things have that glare is just it's absolutely killer.
0: <laughs> so well,
1: um, yeah, they, that that definitely I think helped to kind of. Dispel a one-dimensional view, you know, because when when people hear about a disability or an impairment of any description, they they don't ever, you know, kind of presume this was a
0: night out on the town is the last thing they think you're up to, you know. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but as you rightly say, it's dispelling those myths, but in a, um, a and essentially in a, an awareness-raising exercise through the fact that you're able to do. Absolutely everything that anybody else can do, um and it's dispelling that preconceptions that people can have.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's just basically that you, as you say there, that you can do anything that anybody else can do, and that is an important message. But it's also important to say that, like, you most likely won't be able to do it the same way. You know, Correct. you can achieve the same result, but given, you know, you have to take into account what level of sight you have or ability you have and yes just to to come at it from a different approach and it's really about adaption there you know it can take more time but
0: it is all
1: possible of course you know
0: yeah and it, exactly. yeah yeah that's, that's a fair point um and you mentioned also there earlier on about um perceptions in in the media um and how at times um I, I suppose the, the, as you said in your speech, there the desire not to offend can be quite isolating. Yes,
1: yes, that um, it it can because when people are afraid to to say something to you, to make a joke in front of you, or even to offer you help at times, you know, because they're they're overly worried about offending, you know, or yes. causing offence or, or being politically incorrect and. And that does it. It causes this barrier where where people they're nervous to talk to you, so they don't. They they avoid they avoid the risk of causing offence, you know, at all costs. And um, and that that then can can make you feel well. It has made me feel at times very kind of separate and and, and different. Or and you I, I kinda, you have to try and bridge the gap for them. It becomes. I found in my experience that it's it's become my responsibility to make them feel comfortable. Okay. You okay. know, and it's it's I'm sure it's something that like I, I know it's something that I've heard echoed from others, you know, that it, it can be a hard line to to walk there. And not just for, for people who have an impairment, but also for you know, those anyone interacting with you because because it's so hyper focused on as you were saying it people are conscious of it and it's all with very good intention but it 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 can be a really big isolating factor for people
0: and how how would you suggest is the best way to break down those barriers
1: make the joke make the the darkest dirtiest joke that you can think of in my in my case anyway now I I do understand that not everybody shares that kind of dark sense of humor but um you know just just chance it M- make whatever joke is come to mind or just just speak your mind as you would with anybody else basically you, you don't even have to be making a joke it's it's just try and um try and think of you know, people as people first and not anything else i I know that might sound cheesy and cliched but but it's the truth it is the simplest solution just to be yourself and i mean if you wouldn't be worried about offending anyone else
0: why would you be worried about offending somebody with a disability fair point yeah i suppose it's just a question of normalizing things as much as possible yeah yeah it really is and in in terms of um kind of the um media do you feel that at times they can um, be too um, in, in favour of political correctness, that they're not adequately reflective of people with disabilities? I think they do the
1: very best that they can and it is important that they are politically correct because obviously there are words and topics that are very sensitive for people and when you're broadcasting to the general public, you have to be mindful of that. And I appreciate that, you know, and so I can understand why it's focused on, you know, and yeah. and as well, when when you're broadcasting something, it has to be something interesting. And, and usually we find things that are different, interesting. So therefore, they, um, you know,
0: they, they really have to I'm okay. <laughs> struggling for words or doing. No, you're fine i mean it, it, essentially what you were um conveying really was around the fact that often the the media kind of put spotlight on stories where people have kind of achieved against all odds type thing um yes 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 exactly and and that that is great um but it and, and I suppose due recognition yeah. is needed of that, but it, it's also a question to your point earlier of just making sure that um everybody is is.
1: I think that, I think I know where I was going with that there now. it There is due recognition needed of all these, you know, exceptional stories and, and it's great to hear. And because it's the differences that, you know, are, are focused on, I mean, that is the role of the media to present these unusual topics to us. I mean, it it would be a very boring radio show if everybody called in and said that they had a cup of tea this morning and, you know, they got dressed, you, you know, they, they're, the media is there to cover these exciting events in in some way you know yeah so it's it's not really the form to do that and that's why in my talk i was talking about broadening the focus not just in the media but in our own lives because it's it's those it's those little misunderstandings like with the staff at thorman park and the participants you know they they just presume that every year i was hungover, over and it you know it's it's those little misunderstandings that I think they kind of silently can help break those stereotypes. And I yeah. feel like that that kind of spreading through word of mouth of, you know, did you not know she's blind or I, yeah. I, I would have never guessed kind of thing. Like, I think that stays with people more. It gives them uh, a real life experience of something that they already believe to be true, you know, that that disabled people
0: are Know, just as competent and add value like everyone else. Correct, correct, exactly. And I suppose have you have you found that in a in a workplace setting as well, that you have literally helped um debunk some myths people might have had or um <laughs> helped quash some of the stereotypes? Um
1: I, I suppose I have to a degree. Now I've I've really only recently um gained kind of like employment as such. You know, I've I've worked as a bartender. In the past, a good number of years ago, I suppose what I'll say is I was out of the workforce for a while, and yes. I have recently returned, um, and I'm, I'm working as a, a switchboard operator in the um, the the local Limerick entry office, which uh, would be the social welfare office in Limerick. Yes. So I I wouldn't be so bold as to say that I have actually broken these stereotypes, but. Um, my my colleagues at work had you know a number of them were quite surprised when they did learn um, that my vision was limited, um, you know, and and I have to say you know if I made they have been absolutely wonderful because as I said I'd been out of the workplace for a while and they you know the Limerick County Office has just been incredibly accommodating and. Understanding and they've they've helped me develop a whole range of skills that I I never thought I would have, so I'm I'm, I'm grateful for them and that very positive work experience I've had there, you know.
0: Yeah, which is is um, fabulous for, for you. And as it may be unbeknownst to you, you you have have challenged their own um, previous perceptions of people. Which is going back to your earlier point, probably one of the benefits of a hidden disability, because you've already demonstrated that you're fully competent. Um, and that only then disclosed the situation to the point of that they're surprised. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I have, I you know, uh, you know, at the canteen or, you know, in the yard before work, you know, people have it, it has come up and they have been taken aback by it. And, you know, again, the, the response was always very positive and it was just kind of one of shock of I, I really didn't expect that. I, I
0: didn't think that you yeah. would have a sight loss issue, you know. Yeah exactly exactly um well Maeve in terms of if other people are are listening um who are either having concerns about disclosing their sight loss or um feeling exactly as you felt that there's kind of benefits to a hidden disability um would you recommend that they get involved in kind of the ncbi advocacy work
1: i i would i suppose personally i i have found it very helpful but you know it's down to each individual how how they deal with with everything um but i I would definitely say try it you know if if it works for you then then that's that's brilliant um but just keep trying everything you know my motto in life is very much to just try everything once figure out if i can do it or not it's a good motto. so but I suppose I was quite disengaged from the NCBI services for a number of years and and when I when I did re-engage with the service that's that's how I found that's how I gained my my employment and you know then I I put in the submission for the National Sharing Day and I guess it kind of opened a few doors and that was probably because you know I was I was disengaged because I was kind of, you know, dealing with my own things and trying to work through things. But I would say it's it's difficult. But to just re-engage with the service because and tell them what you want, you know, tell them what it is that you're looking for, what you're struggling with. And that's really what the advocacy is. It's it's trying to. Listen to people's concerns and, and understand exactly what they are. And then work with them t- to build a response. You know, well, at least you know, in my opinion, that's that's how that's been my experience of it. So I would definitely encourage anybody to you know who is maybe kind of disillusioned at the moment to to just get back in touch and and and, ex- and, and see if you can gain something from it. Because I I know I have. And
0: thank well, you. Well, i for that. rightly say uh, unless they try it, they won't know. So um, it's a question of um, taking the bull by the horns and just giving it a a go. Um, Any listeners do want to get involved with either NCBI services or the work of the um, advocacy team and get connected with other people with sight loss who are um, advocates with us. The number is 1850 33 43 53. Um, And there are advocacy groups scattered right, right across the country. There
1: is, and and actually, just just on that too, you know, I know that um some of the the other local advocacy networks they've been running an online um I think it's like clicking chat, and it's just like a drop in like chat service as well, where it's not necessarily about what you want from the service or anything. It's just about you know trying to stay sane during COVID, and I think. I think it's Darren and Jackie. I'm I'm not sure. I haven't had the time to engage with it myself yet. But I like. I feel that like that that would be something that's
0: important too. It's it's available as well. That's true. Yes, uh, you're dead right. A, a lot of the um, groups that were um, meeting face to face have obviously had to switch to a, an online um, presence at the minute. But um, the the value of that is also that we we can extend the invitation further um, so that people aren't restricted by geographic boundaries. Um, and it also means that people can access it from the comfort of their own home, which um, is proving very beneficial to, to many people that are using our services. So listen, Mabel, I'll let you go and uh, just say thanks very much for having a chat with us today um, and best of luck with everything that you do. And thanks again for participating in the, the National Sharing Day.
1: Yeah, no, thanks a million.
0: And it was good to chat to you. Thank you.